Tiger Bomb Sports Audio Entertainment presents The Process. Welcome back to your home for football and fantasy football where we learn, scout, win, and repeat. Time to continue the process. It's your boy Ralph back again. Welcome, guys. I'm excited to talk about some Week 10 NFL action with you. I'm your host as usual, going to bring you the whole deal just like we usually do. Welcome in everybody, new listeners. Hello, welcome in to you as well. Uh, first time offenders, we won't hold it against you. But I'm excited, guys, I'm just excited to get back on the path of, of winning. It's been a rough couple of weeks. We had podcasts during the week to sort of right the wrongs, if you will. But now we're on to week 10, and uh, there's a whole lot to go over. Always a lot going on in 2020 with COVID and everything else being very fluid. But despite all that, we got some money to win in DFS. So we got that segment. We got all your usuals, everything, housekeeping, would you rather. So I hope you guys are ready because I'm ready to bring it. Um, we got to go over the goods, though, first before we get into any of that, of course, Make sure all you new listeners know where to find us, because I'm sure all you avid listeners already know and are already supporting. But if you're new to the podcast, uh, there's a few ways that you can actually listen to this uh, wonderful football knowledge, if you will, uh, or, or 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 crap, if you listened in uh, week eight, <laughs> um, www.tigerbombsae.com. Guys, that is the website. You can listen to this podcast there. Just click on the process page. Podcast will be right there for you. You can also catch the other podcasts uh, that are at Tiger Bomb right now. And if you want to listen on the go with your other podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, you know, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen to your podcast, just search for Tiger Bomb Sports Audio Entertainment. Our podcasts will come up. You can like and subscribe. This way you'll catch the new episodes. I like that you get the notifications of the new episodes, right? So this way you'll be sure to catch all the uh, latest podcasts that we have for you. And uh, if you're a social media person, look, Facebook and Twitter couldn't be easier. You can hit us the same way. If you search at The Process, T-B-S-A-E, you'll find our page. Then you can see everything The Process related. I usually link the podcast there every week as well. So just all these different ways we can stay connected. And of course, you guys are welcome to email myself here at The Process. Uh, the email is theprocess at tigerbombsae.com. And that is the business, as we say. I don't know what we say. I'm not in the business. I'm saying that's the business because I say that. So anyways, football. Yeah, I'm excited for this week, guys. Uh, was a rough one before, as I said, but we exercised those demons. And we're ready for another fight. Ready for a fight. Speaking of fights, actually, I think this is going to be funny. Our top, we are, So our top five this week for this episode is going to be about fights. Yeah. Um, and what I mean by that is I was just hanging out with a friend the other evening, uh, getting ready to take him and his wife to the airport for a trip they're going on and somehow some way we got to talking about uh like fights like if he had ever been in any fights you know so he's telling us about this uh fight uh from when he was a kid and it's really funny he got me thinking too like oh i've been in the fights and then it's like you know uh, there comes a time where you cannot apparently settle the differences (laughs) with your words 
and it came to blows. So I'm sure everybody's got a couple of memorable fights. I'm not going to say these are the top, my top fights or anything like that, but we are going to go over it. Today's top five are going to be five memorable fights in my life. These are actual uh, fights that I was in myself. Yes, absolutely me. Uh, And we're going to rank these in the top five today. I'm just laughing thinking about some of them, but Anyways, that'll be our top five for today. I don't condone fighting. We don't condone fighting here. There's always a better way to talk things out. Um, but as I said, sometimes your words, it sounds like a movie, right? sometimes their words fail them and they have to fight it out or whatever the movie would be, uh, trailer would say, right? Um, but anyways, we'll take a look at that and just remember me, no condone fighting, but whack, whack. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's our episode for today. And, uh, I won't delay any further guys. Let's hop right into it with the first, with the first segment. I know this is everybody's favorite, so let's get to it. Housekeeping, me fluff pillow, me fix your team. Alright, so we've got our housekeeping notes for this week 10 of action in this uh, episode uh, 7 of this season. But before we get there, uh, we got to start with number 5 on our list of top 5 memorable fights for me. And this number 5, this one guys is, uh, I could have been more than 6th grade maybe. Had to be 5th, 6th grade, something like that. But anyways, uh walking to school through the neighborhood we grew up on the south side of chicago and uh it's just kind of one of those things that where it's like didn't matter who you were you know you were you were gonna get tested at some point everybody was gonna have to fight at some point this is the way we kind of grew up that was the thing in this neighborhood it was like you know you knew who the tough kids were i'm sure all kids are like this to some degree but uh it was just one of those things that where it was like if you live in the neighborhood 
you walked it the same way every day, just like everybody else, and uh, something was going bound to happen, right? And uh, well, my day came. <laughs> uh, I couldn't have been more than sixth grade, but I was walking to school just down my usual route, and these kids I went to school with, I believe his name is Patrick Pratt. Um, him and his cousins, we all went to the same school or whatever, but they lived a couple blocks uh, away from us, and uh, I don't even remember what was said, but it was like, you know, he said something, I defended myself, and, you know, next thing you know, we're fighting, you know, we're like, drop the book bags, and we're squaring up. Mind you, this is before school. That's why this is so memorable to me, because this has to definitely be the earliest fight I've ever got into. I mean, like, I remember, like, circling up with this kid and thinking, man, like, <laughs> are we really about to do this? Like, I literally just got up so early, so soon ago. Um, but I don't know, man. It was one of those things where I was a little nervous, I guess, because I, I remember he was kind of a kid. I'm not going to say a tough kid. He's like kids, kind of like, you know, a little chip on his shoulder, always in trouble or whatever. And I remember he had this really tough cousin, too. Um, that could have been worst case scenario. He fights like his cousin did. We all knew he was a tough kid. But anyways, I don't know. We circled up, and uh, I had a little longer reach than him. I you know, hit this kid a couple times or whatever, and he dropped to the ground, and um, you know, I think, oh, I think one of the girls said something like, oh, he, he ain't no fighter. He'd have got down and kept punching him or something like that. Because I just, you know, grabbed my stuff and kept walking to school or whatever. Uh, but I never had any problems with them after that, right? And, you know, obviously for other kids too. Because I was like one of the smart kids. So it's like, you know, no problems after that. But that's top five. That's number five on my memorable fights list. Now let's get on the housekeeping for this week. Um, we really flushed out a lot of stuff in the episode during the week taking care of some bad information but now we got to talk about a few things like i want to talk about extra motive superstition uh this week and what i mean by that is like the revenge game narrative for example or like you know like uh in baseball even like when you talk about bvp pitcher pitcher versus batter uh bias so let's talk about that for a little bit because i'll be honest with you guys i know it's it's a big point of dissension in analytics sports and stuff like that and um it's always like controversial which side somebody's on or whatever so let me just you know stop right there and say i believe in uh you know the revenge game narrative i believe in the motive you know the the uh, motive superstition i believe in the pitcher versus batter comparison and like you know, we're talking about this because it's going to come into effect later into some of my analysis. But what I mean to say is like, especially with the NFL, sometimes you see these players feel like they should have got this deal here or this team devalued them in this way or they didn't pay them. And, you know, whatever the case may be, these guys are motivated when they face them to make them, you know, like, oh, like you drafted, you know, like Mahomes, like, you know, won the knockoff all the teams that drafted uh a quarterback ahead of him it's like 10 of them or something like that so he just like torches and teams he plays them like every time he plays them like you didn't draft me you know there is some there is a lot of that that i think makes athletes stand up to a bigger moment i think we see this all the time um i don't think it's just football but it's definitely in football i think in baseball uh you know all the time this team they let me go or you know, they gave up on me or, you know, you know, they didn't want to pay me. They didn't think I was worth it. So a lot of times in my mind, you do see that. You really do see that in my opinion. And, and like, I believe in um, BVP as well. Like I really do. Uh, because honestly, 
look like there are some guys that like I do feel like a um, like a like a pitcher gets into a batter's head or a batter gets into a pitcher's head and he's like I own him like for whatever it is because there are a lot of people that don't believe that they think the splits are the splits and it's like you know they say well if you know this is a left-handed hitter and uh, you know this is a left-handed pitcher and you say uh, you know, he own, he just owns him. You know, it's like, well, you know, it's either the splits is what they're saying or it's not true. You know, I do believe that there are some guys that like, because it's a mental thing. It's a psychological thing with sports. You know, when somebody owns you, there's a reason why Yankee Stadium was chanting, who's your daddy to Pedro when he comes up to pitch in this pivotal playoff? Was that game seven of that of that playoff series? Who's your daddy? Because they know that they could knock them off. They've been whooping that ass for a while. And you got a whole stadium of people chanting, who's your daddy to the pitcher? Because they know you're in our house and we always beat you. Don't tell me that it doesn't come into play. I do think it comes into play. And especially when you want to give it to a team that you feel like didn't... uh, give you what you felt you were deserved that I, I just you see it all the time so i want to talk about that for a second because i'm a believer in it i am and i know it's not everybody does it now um you know let's talk about injury you know i want to just remind you guys that you got to pay attention up to the latest uh you know right up until game lock tomorrow right up until the last moment because these like we what i mean to say is i want everybody to pay more attention and become more willing to play these guys that we think are hurt and at the last minute they're going to let him play because these guys be going off and if you've not been invested in that you miss out right and so especially for gpps again in the tournament to make ourselves different this is an easy thing that we can do is be invested in good players who at the last minute get the green to go. So a lot of people see these designations in the apps that they play questionable or doubtful. Um, and they shut and they just don't play. it. It's a psychological thing, just like we just talked about with BVP and all that stuff. So <clears throat> let's err on the side of logic, even though with a revenge game narrative, I'm not being logical. But for this, we need to err on the side. For these injuries, we need to err on the side of logic. He's playing, he's playing. Let's plug him in and act like it. Sometimes you get price breaks on these guys too for this stuff. So I just mean to say that, you know, right as you guys are listening to this, right as you guys listen to, you know, right before lock so that you remember to do it. And then for DFS, you know, let's stick to the rules. Let's really stick to the rules and just go after and kick some ass this week. Um, you know, we got to go with the same contest. And again, I'll keep drilling it down. So most of what you play are going to be 50-50s, double-ups, right? And if you minimal entry, it's just the dollar ones. It's just the dollar ones. But make sure it's only 100 people in it, right? Single entry, 100 people. That's the key to it. If you're only playing the minimum, like let's say $5 or $10, then that's $1 or $2 respectively to whether you're playing five or ten dollars that you would spend on the gpp so that would be the tournament so you'd find a one dollar tournament you know if you wanted to one of those 25 cent ones that's fine but you'd find a one dollar tournament and that would be your big tournament play where you could find 
about four 25 cent ones or one 25 cent game and do four entries in that same game and that's your four lineups right there so then you'd be doing what i'm doing because you'd be spending four dollars on four double ups and then you'd be spending one dollar on these four 25 cent entries and so you're going to play four different lineups for the gpps and then the one lineup for the double ups and the cash games okay that's just what i'm doing on a larger scale that's what you need to do on a smaller scale so again ten dollars is the same thing you would pay eight dollars for the gpps and the double ups and then two dollars you would play on these um you know sort of gpp contests if you want to again i would, I would for me i would pay pick two of them one that were a dollar a piece and there you go then we can do other things to help ourselves like contest entry i keep saying around 100 people single entry no multi-entry we want everybody to have single bullet nobody gets more than one chance right to make it as fair as possible for yourself so i'm just saying these things again to remind you because when you know it's easy to think like we're gonna get good picks let's go kill it let's go let's go hit this home run like but just remember the focus right if you had that ten dollars some of you would just take it put it in the millionaire maker you know you lose it right it's a stadium full of people you're not gonna win that but if you do it my way those eight dollars hopefully we double up so now you got 16 bucks over there and then if one of those crazy quarter things wins then you get that money too but if not you you've you've got you know plus six dollars right from where you started and then next week you do the same thing you play the 10 again keep the six right and that's how you build so i'm gonna keep reminding you guys because if you if you want to play low and slow that's how you do it it's more about patience than it is about being suckered by that ten dollar entry and the, oh you can win fifty thousand or you could crap your money away by 10 30 in the morning on the east on the west coast right but if you do it like i'm telling you you can have a wonderful afternoon where you're in it all day up to the last minute and at the end of it you walk away with money more money than you started with and then you do it again next week right so that's that's really what this is all about football is fun but ain't a grand when we really win the money right so use weather to narrow down the picks if you need to like when i give you picks if you're a little confused who, who this or that because remember you got to follow these weather follow the stuff right up to the last minute right lock in those contests on friday and saturday pick the contest out don't you don't want to be struggling to do that stuff on sunday because again if you remember i said the same type of contest so for those gpps it's not like i'm gonna pick three different contests i'm gonna play one contest with my four tournament lineups right so i'm looking so i can so i'm looking for a multi-entry for gpp but again i'm controlling the number of people in it no more than 200 right 200 300 400 at the max but really 200 300 okay if i wanted to play something else i wouldn't just play another contest and put those in i would because what's going to happen is that contest that i'm in that's going to fill if i come back into the app later on they will have regenerated another version of that contest because mine already filled then you want to do what you did again then enter four more into that one okay this is what i mean when i say play the same contest so you got all your double ups and your 50 50s and then over there you're playing the same so so again if you do that you lock those in and say you go out again and you do it a third time so now you've got three different contests with four lineups in it right for the same lineups right so those four lineups uh all have three chances to win right and they're all in the same contest so you've got so you're so in each contest you've got the four chances 
guys this is how we knock down so much of the variance and i promise you if you buy into it then you can do like i do which is concentrate on just play for winnings it's just never you know i'm not saying i win all the time what i'm saying is when i lose it's covered uh, by the winnings still so i'm just playing for winnings just playing from baseball winnings right so that is our i think we hit it all that's our housekeeping for this week uh again just putting you guys in great position to just really just crush the dfs world this week so let's go get it Let's play a round of Would You Rather. Okay, Tiger Bombers, let's do some Would You Rather. But first, number four, Ralph's most memorable uh, top fights list. Number five was Patrick Brat on the way to school. Number four. Uh, when I was in college uh, in my fraternity in New Orleans, one night we had a uh, like a like a fight night or something like that, and it was like we uh, had boxing gloves, and like two members of the pledge class would like you know go off and you know a boxing match like three rounds or whatever. And I gotta be honest, guys, at the time it was like a good stress reliever because we were all starting to get real inundated with pledging and it's like this deep south crazy pledging nothing like uh you know listen let me just say nothing sexual nothing like like physical in terms of like them beating us or us like doing anything weird or anything like that but just like mentally exhausting physically exhausting drinking sometimes but like just a lot of uh pushing yourself to the limit in ways that aren't fun people think oh yeah you're you're gonna drink all the time yeah, they know you want to drink so they'll find other ways to torture you um but anyways it's like you know a lot of stuff coming to a head and right at this one time we get this fight night so um this had to be number one four memorable fight on my list because we're all standing in the circle you know for the ring and uh and we go at it so i you know one of my fraternity brothers dear brother you know dear friend to this day i should say uh nate i think we we went at it and um i think i I popped up pretty good in the nose a couple of times. I think he got me a few times, but I would say I got I would say I got the best of him. I got him in the nose a couple of times. He might even have a little trickle, uh, a little trickle of the red coming off that nose there. But I just remember how much we all needed it at the time. I felt like maybe we were one of the first fights too. Some of those kids are nervous too, but it's like let's do it. You know, he's rough and tumble kid from Colorado. He doesn't give a shit about you know <laughs> fighting. Excuse my language, but uh, anyways. Number four, number four of my top five most memorable fights. Uh, my good buddy, my good pal, Nate. Um, hey, let's go over Would You Rather. How about we do that? Let's switch over to some, some football. And we're going to start making this session a little more concise so that we could just go over like a couple of like interesting you know dichotomies or a couple of interesting choices um or something that like really like stands out for some reason or something that's just like tough right like that's that's like something that people are facing um in terms of like what can i do but what we're not going to do is just like i I just want to kind of mean to say i'm going to um shorten up the number of them that we go through 
So, Curtis Samuel or Chase Edmonds? Um, Curtis Samuel, you know, the thing about him is he is, he gets the work for the Panthers in terms of the passing offense, but it's not a great matchup. Edmonds, a couple of days ago, I would say yes, but, you know, Drake looks like he might play. If he plays, that cuts into Edmonds. Um, you know, snaps or whatever, but I'm still going to go with Edmonds, even though it's closer now because Drake's going to play. Because last week, Edmonds got 28 uh, rushing attempts. That is a lot. I know he was kind of a miss, but like, that's on him, man. 28 attempts. So even if he gets half of that, that's 14. I think I'll still put him ahead of uh, Curtis Samuel, uh, but who ultimately I don't have a problem with. I mean, somebody tells me they're interested in him in a GPP. Yeah, no problem. Do your thing. You know, I I think he's an interesting play this year. Uh, Mike Evans or Leonard Fournette? You know, I think it's going to be Leonard Fournette this week. Evans is in a crowded uh, group of guys. Not to say he's not talented, uh, but there's just so much uh, there for Brady, which is obviously the plan. And Fournette has a little bit more of a uh, clearly defined role, I feel. Uh, that I th- and I think this week, I think he's in a good spot too. So, Gus Edwards or Darius Slayton, um, you know, at, things are getting a little more muddy for Edwards now that um, Ingram is, you know, possibly on, coming back. Looks like he's going to return, but Slayton does not get a good matchup with Darius Slay. So, I think so if, again, if he's going to shadow him and shut him down like before, then that does give Gus Edwards the the slight uh notch of betterness that's not even a word um even though he's in a tough bind too so jared mckinnon uh jared tired legs mckinnon or travis fulgham fulgham has been a revelation this year um they got some guys coming back it's getting a little more crowded over there a little more options thankfully for wentz uh, McKinnon, uh, he's not in a great matchup. He's got a more clear defined role, but still, it's, they're a little dicey. So I would just go with, um, you know, because Fulgham's probably going to see, I think he's going to get the shadow from Bradbury. Uh, so I would just go with McKinnon. Uh, and then A.J. Green or Jamal Adams. Ooh, we're scraping the barrel here. These are two desolate choices this week. I mean, I've been pining over this one. I'd hope by the time I came to this segment, I would like I have figured something out. But I just think these are two very bad choices. I go Jamal Williams, I guess, because um, AJ Green's just been not too much and nothing. But I just think Jones is going to get most of the work, so I wouldn't expect a lot from Williams. And then finally, for would you rather, Devontae Parker or Hawkinson? Hawkinson's a little banged up. It's a toe thing, and it's like. I'm a little concerned, like, he's trying to go out there and play, he's probably going to play, but, like, does he play the whole game, does he have to leave the game, whereas Parker, I just, I would just go with him, because we know he's going to get the looks from Tua, especially with Preston Williams being put on the shelf, he's on the IRR, so he's got to miss at least three weeks, so, that is Would You Rather this week, now you guys know who I would rather, hopefully, that helps you decide who you would rather. Now it's time for the process to reload. All right. Now, before we get into our games, we got to get to number three on our list of top five most memorable fights for me. Number three would have to be 
when I worked at this uh, department store back in the Midwest. Uh, random Sunday before uh, Mother's Day and uh, some crazy dude, obviously on some drugs, comes in to shop, presumably, uh, makes his way over to the jewelry counter eventually, asks to see this, you know, large necklace and makes off with it. And I don't know, for some reason, I just instinctively, like I was near him, you know what I mean? So he was running, as he was running through the door, I like tackled him and I uh, tried to grab it from him and uh, he wouldn't let go of it. So I like punched him uh, <laughs> with my right hand and uh, he still wouldn't let go. So I punched him again and he wouldn't let go. And I'm like, you know, let go of the, you know, the sh- and I'll, you know, let you go. And he wouldn't let go, so I go to punch him again, and he, like, bites my hand and uh, takes off running and stuff. So, you know, he ends up getting it, and I get a tetanus shot. Needless to say, that job's not worth doing something like that. You know, definitely don't recommend something like that. But it's just the craziest thing. It's just a reaction. I was just so near him when it all happened, and I just tackled him right through the, like, right through the vestibule doors. I just, you know, full-on speared him and tackled him right through the doors and just got up and with the town on his face um but we didn't even get the thing back so i i don't know i think eventually they got him but uh that is number three on the list of most memorable fights for me and so now we'll get to our reload first game eagles at the giants in no particular order we're going now we were talking a little bit earlier about you know darius slayton and darius slay and you know Darius Slayton, he only had uh, one target last week, and uh, that was because Sterling Shepard came back, basically. Um, He's only had four targets per game since Shepard has been back into the lineup. Uh, Slayton's probably going to see Slay on him again uh, because it worked last time, so a lot more to like about Shepard and a lot less to like about Slayton. Again, uh, Fulgham is probably going to get James Bradbury is what I'm thinking. Uh, Jalen Rager, uh, he has an opportunity, uh, I guess as well as Alshon a little less, but Jalen Rager has an opportunity um, to see more of the Giants' backup cornerback, Isaac Yadam. Uh, and he's like allowed the fifth most fantasy points per route run and the sixth most yards per route covered. So it looks like a good opportunity for him to go off. Uh, Evan Ingram's 29 targets in three games. So, you know, they're looking for him. And then the opponent this week, uh, the um, Eagles, they allow the fourth most points a game to tight ends. So, do the math right there. They're looking for him, and uh, they allow points to tight end. So there you go. Um, I do think that, you know, as I said earlier, Wentz is going to get more help. He's got these guys coming back. Miles Sanders is back, uh, who I think can have an effective game. Really like him this week for DFS purposes as well. Hard to shush Alshon, Jeffrey. Don't be worried about stuff like that. But Goddard's in a really good place. Smashed him last time. Can smash him again. No problems there. Gallman's the guy now that uh, Freeman's out of the way, but it just doesn't matter, at least not for this week. It's not going to be a lot to feast on there. And then Evan Ingram, as we said, uh, is the person to look to there. Sterling Shepard, uh, again, opportunity in the passing game, I feel, as they're going to be uh, trying to pass the stay in the game or come back in the game as I expect the Eagles to be ahead. Uh, I think Wentz can have a decent day. He can have a better day than what he's been having uh, this season, I think his trend of playing better continues. They're on the road, but the Eagles win this game. Reload. 
All right, next game is the Jaguars at the Packers. And, uh, and the Jaguars have allowed the second most receiving touchdowns to tight end this season. So, you know, you know Big Bob, he's in, he's in play this week for sure. I know he's a little banged up, but here's the thing. I think he... Uh, I think they ruled him out already, so we would have to check on this. Uh, but the next man up is Mercedes Lewis. We talked about the revenge game narrative before. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I think that's interesting right there. The other thing that's interesting about this whole game is Jair Alexander isn't going to play, so this really frees up DJ Chark to be DJ Chark. I think he is going to have a pretty good day. Keelan Cole can definitely get some uh, benefit from this as well. Opens up things a lot uh, for the Jaguars to be able to just try to put something up on the board uh, in the air. On the ground is where they can be effective, though. Robinson should have himself a pretty decent day. They should give him the touches, and the Packers haven't proven been able that they've been able to stop the run. So, you know, the Jaguars shouldn't have that bad of a time moving the ball, I wouldn't think. Excuse me. As far as the Packers go... Aaron Rodgers is going to be Aaron Rodgers. Two, three touchdowns is what we're expecting. Devontae Adams. Uh, Lazard's not going to play. So more Lord of Iron Hands scaling. Uh, he's, you know, he's volatile, you know, but he's going to see some targets because you can't throw them all to Adams. But really, you only need to invest in Adams. I think uh, because of the weak secondary, Adams, you know, they have an opportunity to force it to him again. And this is why I think I know... <clears throat> both are expensive this week, Jones and Adams and DFS. But I think both could pay off because I think Adams and uh, Rodgers can do their thing and they get up early big. And then down the stretch, you have Jones running it a little bit more is what I would expect. Um, that's just my estimation. So that's why I think that they both could uh, potentially be a good place. I don't see why one would, would not disable the other based on the way the Packers want to try to do this thing. Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers, I think there's going to be better plays than him this week. We know what we're going to get with him. He's not going to be a bust or anything like that. He should have a pretty good day as well. Um, no other receivers for them, I trust. Um, I think that's pretty much it. But, yeah, the Packers should win this game, though, obviously. They're going to have more firepower, and it'll be about, you know, how many mistakes the Jaguars make trying to keep up or get back in the game. And, you know, that could play big for the Packers in terms of, um, you know, their defense having a better day or creating turnovers, interceptions, stuff like that. Reload. All right, next game we're going to go over, Washington football team at the Lions. And Detroit has allowed the most fantasy points to running backs over the past four weeks. So that's a trend we want to invest in. Um, you know, Gibson is obviously in play. They've also faced the second highest rate of run plays in early downs, 51.6%. So, yeah, we do think that that's the, the path to beating them, obviously. Washington has consistently gone out of their way. This is why people are, you know, thinking about McKissick. Washington's gone out of their way to uh, feature him as a receiver. Uh, you know, 24 targets when he's lined up in the slot or out wide. No other running back has more than 16 targets. So, uh, he had a league-high 31 passing routes out of the backfield last week. 14 targets, caught nine of them. Yep, both career best. He had 34 grabs, fourth. He has 34 grabs, fourth at running back. He's also got uh, six passes in four or five games, and uh, he's averaging six grabs for 42 yards a game. So this is the hype behind him that people are thinking about, you know. Um, but look, you know, McKissick, he's carried the ball just eight times in the last two games, though. You know, um, he's averaging 4.8 carries a game this season, uh, and 
Gibson has eight carries inside the 10 yard line this season and McKissick has one. So Gibson is still involved in the passing game. He caught at least three passes in five to six games. No team in football is allowing more points to the running back than the Lions, including 13 rushing scores this season. So I think that both can potentially be effective uh, in this game uh, for, for Washington. McLaurin is going to be McLaurin, and he's going to do his thing. Nobody else in the passing game I'd be looking for um, at all, really. But on the Lions side of things, uh, I, you know, it's going to be more about Marvin Hall as opposed to Marvin Jones. That's that's apparent, but not in this game though. This Washington defense is pretty good. They're in a good they're in a good spot here. I really started out thinking that the Lions defense was in a sneaky good spot, but um, weighing more <clears throat> towards the Washington side of things now. Uh, to me, this game is could go either way i don't see why either team uh you know it could be close i do uh again like the the funny the revenge narrative uh you know adrian peterson you know you know 94 carries for 67 yards going up against washington they wouldn't support him when he was beating his kids um but yeah he'll get some run uh he'll probably make the most of that but nothing that you need to go out of your way to invest in it's a pick em game we'll give it to the lions since they're at home though reload all right texans at the browns has an opportunity to give us some points here browns have a lot of the third most fantasy points to running backs over the past four weeks oh, oh excuse me the texans have a lot of third most fancy points to running backs over the past four weeks. So, Browns are getting Chubb back. Uh, I think Chubb and Hunter in play. Hunt's numbers should be better now that, that Chubb's back. Um, Hunt's production went, in terms of what he would give us went down when Chubb was out compared to what it was before. So, I think this is good for both of them. Uh, and, you know, we know the Browns know that's the path to victory for them more times than not. And the opponent is going to allow it this week. So, they're going to run the ball. That's what's going to happen. Um, the Texans have a lot of league high, 144.5 pass rating to slot wide receivers. So when they do pass, they're going to be looking at Jarvis Landry. He mostly occupies the slot for the Browns. And he has a 29% target share over the past three weeks. So, you know, that's fourth highest mark in the league. They're looking for him. And they got reason to do it again today, this week, uh, tomorrow, rather, this week. Texans have allowed the second most fantasy points to tight ends over the past four weeks as well and so the hodgepodge of whatever cleveland rolls out will probably be decent but they could all three just get a one yard touchdown i don't know nothing i don't think we want to be invested in i'm trying to pick 11 different wide receivers have scored 15 uh, plus ppr points against the browns the browns currently or top five in most receiving touchdowns allowed to the wide receiver position. And so, on the other side of things, uh, Will Fuller, obviously in play and company. I do like Brandon Cooks and Cobb a little bit more. I think Fuller on the outside may have, I'm not going to say he's going to get shut down, but middling numbers, I wouldn't be surprised. And then the other two could have a little bit more of a decent opportunity. I, I just don't, I, I could see it. Fuller leads the Texans in both red zone targets and end zone targets, though. So, again, uh, this is why I say all three are in play. Brandon Cooks has seen at least nine targets in all four games since the coaching change was made, and he has a 28% target share. So, again, this is why I say they're all going to be in play. And I think for the Texans, they know that's the best way. But, look, they also have 
uh, a susceptible Browns defense in terms of the run. And they've got Duke Johnson. He's going to be taking over for David Johnson. Johnson David Johnson is going to be out for a couple of weeks now here. He's got a serious concussion thing going on. They've already ruled him out for a few weeks. So it's Duke Johnson's show. He's never really had that feature back ability. Well, that's what people say. He's never had the feature back ability. But now he has this opportunity, this role due to injury. Uh, everything is set up in his favor. He's coming back to Cleveland. Uh, they wouldn't pay him. Uh, he felt that he could have that role. They look at the backfield. Cleveland has. They put a lot of people in front of him, uh, and this is his opportunity right here. He had a great game last week uh, when he came in. When uh, Johnson went out, David Johnson went out, and so Duke Johnson firmly in play this week. I believe he is firmly in play this week. I mean, I cannot stress enough his motivation in Cleveland, in Cleveland, in Cleveland to run on them. So I'm. I'm feeling very good about this um, and this is going to keep uh, this is going to give good balance to the Texans in my opinion so they are in play the Browns therefore will have to pass that's why we say Jarvis Landry is in play they do run though when they are down they do run late when they're down so again this is why we can continue to expect to be invested in the running game there with no problems uh, and this should be a fun game, but I think that the Texans can. I, I know it's going to be a, a you know a shock by the records and all that stuff and upset, but I think the Texans can go on the road and I think they're going to win this game. Reload. All right, next game is the Buccaneers at the Panthers. Tom Brady looking to bounce back after getting spanked by Drew Brees last week. Going up against the Panthers, the Browns. Uh, or I'm sorry. Uh, excuse me, Brown. Uh, as in uh, uh, the new addition to the Buccaneers, I apologize, um, has led all Buccaneers in targets 20 yards or deeper in air yards. So, you know, he, when he came in last week, we saw that they did try to get him involved. Uh, he was fed. Um, so that's going to be, you know, a continuing part of what they do. Everybody has a shot in that offense. You've got Brown to feed now. You've got... Um, Evans defeat now. You've got Godwin healthy now. So Gronk is getting uh, targets and looks in the end zone. So there's a lot of people there. Jones has seen his role supplanted a bit by um, Fournette, but he does still have a role though. And so that's why from week to week, guys, I'm not like talking about them more just because when they're going to split the production. Uh, we don't want to pay for that, right? We want to get, we want to be invested in a place where we know we got a little bit more of a chance to win. Um, Curtis Samuel, we talked a little bit about him earlier. Tampa Bay slot cornerback Sean Murphy Bunting has allowed the third most receiving yards from the slot this season. So Samuel definitely in play. Uh, we can certainly put him in play. Um, and uh, I think that uh, the Browns, you know, this. Uh, excuse, me, I keep saying the Browns. I don't know why I keep saying the Browns. The Buccaneers are going to win this game. I think their defense has an opportunity to play really well. I think Fortnite has an opportunity to catch some passes uh, to, to alleviate things for them. I think Brady is going to pick apart the Panthers' defense, but they're not as bad as you think, and they do provide more resistance than you think. So he's not going to have a smash day, but they'll be okay because it's him. Um, I, do, I do think the running backs... Uh, can be a key part of the victory. Um, 
But again, it's going to be hard to key in on who does that. But I think that's where the game goes for them. The Panthers side of thing, Mike Davis is going to see production catching the passes out of the backfield. And that's what, you know, uh, the Buccaneers are pretty bad at allowing the running back to, to catch passes out of the backfield. So he will see his outside of that. Curtis Samuel will see his. Nobody else to be invested with there. This is not a game that they win. Reload. All right, Seahawks at the Rams. And, you know, Josh Reynolds, I'm, I'm pretty interested in him. I'm intrigued by him this week. Um, he leads the Rams in deep targets this season at 10, and no other Rams player has more than five. And so, obviously, you're playing the Seahawks. You We're thinking that you're going to need to keep up or put up points to stay ahead, run up the scores, what we're talking about. So, if you're talking about who gets the deep targets, that's the guy. He leads the team in percentage of end zone targets, 33%. Deep targets, 36%. And air yards, 27%. So a lot to like there in my estimation, especially because Jalen Ramsey is probably going to spend most of his time working on DJ Mech. Uh, excuse me. We're not talking about that side of the ball yet. Um, Woods is going to work on the outside. Uh, and then Cup is going to work in the slot. I think Cup is in play too. Um, but the Rams haven't allowed a wide receiver to hit over 70 yards in the last six weeks. So for the Seahawks, it's a little bit of a tougher matchup. We were just talking about Jalen Ramsey. He's going to be going up against um, uh, DJ Metcalf. So that's, that's a bit of a tougher matchup right there. Um, I do expect him to have his hands full. That's why I do like Lockett a lot more this week. Jamal Adams has come back for the Seahawks. I initially thought he was going to make a bigger difference in the secondary, but um, maybe around the line of scrimmage, stopping the run, stuff like that. But he's allowed 11 of 14 targets into coverage to be caught for 178 yards and a score this season. Good for nearly a perfect passer rating when targeted. So not a lot of uh, resistance there. Excuse me. Josh Reynolds has one more target than Robert Woods over the last three weeks. So more evidence, again, in my little notes and stats here that he's involved and that I'm just... I really like him, and I'm a little down on Woods of the three. Even though they're all three playable, I just like Woods the th uh, as the third. The Rams predominantly run zone coverage, and Russ Wilson owns uh, PFF's highest grade against zone coverage this season. So this is why I think it's going to be a bit of a run-up. Like, Russ, uh, he can definitely provide you the opportunity to, to go off. I, I, I see that. Based on that factor right there, Seattle's allowed the most receiving yards to slot wide receivers. So again, you know, looking at uh, Cooper Cup, could have a great day. This is why golf is obviously in play. Um, Malcolm Brown catching passes out of the backfield. I really like him. They're going to have more of their running backs in go. So I just, we again, we don't want to be picking and choosing between these guys, but Malcolm Brown can catch the passes. So I like him as they, as they look to keep pace this week but golf is firmly in play for me because he's got to just they're gonna have to make him throw it that's it they're just gonna, he's gonna have to throw it period and the resistance on the other side of the ball isn't that great so he's just in a smash chalk spot this week the last time these two squared off week 14 last year Jalen Ramsey shadowed Metcalf on 97% of his routes ran so again this is why I'm thinking more of Lockett for Seattle, busting that zone up a bit. Um, Seattle, the Seahawks are giving up fantasy points to opposing offense, and uh, you know they give up the second most fantasy points per game overall to slot wide receivers. So um, 
you know, Hugo Amadi, his hamstring, he didn't practice all week. So I don't even know if the replacement can get worse than him. But they got problems there, basically, is what I mean to say. So this is why this game can shoot out. This is why we like golf, the Rams offense. They're at home. The Seahawks, though, again, giving you some reasons why they can uh, put it up to and who should be able to do that. Their tight end should be in play. I like Everett a bit, too, over um, uh, Everett over the other tight end in the Rams. I forget his name now, but just continuing on an ongoing basis looks like Everett a little bit more um, in that scenario but uh, this is a game where I think Russ finds a way the Seahawks can win it and uh, they do on the road reload all right Bengals at the Steelers and you know the story of this game is the fact that Burrow is very bad under duress with the pass rush and the Steelers blitz the most. They have the most sacks and that's his problem area. I was initially thinking, um, you know, he could have a little bit of a renaissance here, but I just, it's such a tough matchup for him specifically. Um, and we know already that Mixon's not going to play, so that doesn't help matters at all. I was thinking he may provide some goal line alleviation, but doesn't look like that's going to happen either. So the Bengals have given up the second most fantasy points to tight ends this season, so Ebron definitely in play. Cash game purposes this week, we are looking at him immensely for what we want to do. Um, no team has allowed more receiving touchdowns to tight ends than the Bengals in the past four weeks. Uh, so again... Looking at Ebron for what we want to do. The track record of QBs missing practice due to COVID-19 issues. So Stafford, Cam Newton, these guys, they don't play very well. Ben, he's missed practice because of this. He's clear. He's going to play. He's got the knee stuff going on. He's going to play. But um, he's just got a lot going on right now. So I think that they're going to lean more heavily on the run. I, uh, and, and the Bengals aren't great at, against the run anyway. So this looks to line up really well for James Conner. I don't know if people are paying attention to him, uh, but he's certainly in play. And uh, James Conner and uh, anybody else on the Steelers, you know, I just, uh, you know, as far as uh, Clayton, he's going to get the looks. I do like Clayton. I don't have a problem with him. Um, Johnson could probably, I think Juju Smith-Schuster of the three receivers probably is going to be the odd man out this week. On the Bengals side of things, can only really count on Tyler Boyd. Everything else is probably going to be a little iffy. Uh, just because of that pass rush, I don't know what's going to happen. And uh, I don't think there's going to be any miracles in Pittsburgh. Steelers going to win this game. Reload. All right, our next game is the Vikings at my Bears. And, um, you know, the Bears, they're, they're such an easy target in terms of when you're looking for a good defense and you're unsure. I, I'm not even kidding you. Um, but Anthony Miller has 18 targets over the last two games, and he has run a route on 70 plus uh, percent of dropbacks in three state in three straight. But he sucks. So yeah, he's getting the looks and the opportunities, but I don't think much is going to happen there with it. Um, the running back carousel for the Bears, I wouldn't invest in that either. Um, Cordell Patterson or you know, whoever else, I know Lamar Miller's back there, they've got a couple other guys, I wouldn't worry about it, because it's not all of a sudden going to start being more productive, out of nowhere, I don't think, uh, looks like it's not going to be the, that type of opportunity at all, Buster Screen has allowed the second most receiving yards from the slot this season, uh, the Vikings uh, primary slot receiver is Chad Beebe, but sometimes Justin Jefferson uh, goes into the slot, so 
that could be something that works for him. I, I like him. This game, uh, Irv is out in terms of tight ends. So Kyle Rudolph in a good spot, but probably not very, not very usable. Um, you know, Dalvin Cook feed him uh, against this Bears, and that's the way you attack him. Uh, it's the you know on the ground, uh, make them make some tackles like that. Maybe they don't want to do that, um, but I do like him. Um, I like the Viking defense. Like I was just saying, the Bears are easy target. They haven't been able to move the ball down the field. Uh, Allen Robinson, like him, garbage time purposes, absolutely. Can't even give you Mooney and stuff like that because it's just too volatile. Uh, Jimmy Graham's getting looks. If you need that, that's fine. He's getting a lot of attention, and he's getting goal line looks, and he got a touchdown last week, so it's there if you need it. Um, but ultimately, it is the game that the Vikings should win. Reload. All right, so we've got the Bills at the Cardinals. And uh, for this game, this is a shootout. This is what we're thinking. Um, Kyler Murray's on pace to rack up 152 rush attempts, 1,086 yards, and 16 scores on the ground. Um, that's a lot. Um, he's, he's, he's done a lot. He is in play this week. I do think that he has an opportunity to, with what he can provide on the ground, plus his increased role with the passing game, his increased effectiveness in the air, I think he has a good day. Um, Patrick Peterson obviously going to be shadowing Nuck, but they'll battle. Nuck will be fine. If you have him seasonal, load him up, no problem. DFS, I'm probably staying away from him, just a little too expensive, but he's not going to bust. He can very easily do his thing. Um, but this is why I'm a little bit more invested in uh, Christian Kirk, perhaps. Uh, I think he's in a good uh, a good place as well. Um, and then uh, also, you know, he's been getting a lot of looks this week. So it's got to be him and it's got to be Murray. And like I said, Hopkins will be okay. He'll get a little bit. Uh, that's where the production is going to come from. They'll give the running back touches. But again, last week you saw Edmonds did very little with what he had. And Drake was doing the same thing. So... I don't know how much invested we can be there, even though the Bills can be had on the ground. Uh, if if it, anybody has them on the ground, it's going to be Murray. So we really like Murray in this spot as they try to keep up. Uh, I like uh, John Brown. This is a revenge game for him. Coming from Arizona, I do think. So he's healthy. He's playing. I like him a lot. This is a smash spot for him. Diggs, um, he's going to see a little bit of, of that uh, coverage from... Uh, Patrick Peterson, so I, I, you know, oh, excuse me, I was saying, uh, Nuck was, I was thinking Nuck's going to see, I meant Nuck is going to see Tredavious White, sorry guys, and that's not a daunting task, right, he can still do his thing, but White's not terrible, um, it's Stefan Diggs who's going to see Patrick Peterson, and it's the same thing, Diggs is fine, he's going to do his job, but Peterson's not terrible, and I think it's a wash right there for DFS purposes, but for seasonal, load him up. Diggs leads the league in targets when his quarterback is under pressure at 32. He's seen 12 more targets than any other wide receiver on pressure plays. His 56 targets on plays without pressure ranks eighth most for wide receivers. So he's just getting a lot of looks. Um, so that's why I say he can still be okay. Kirk almost exclusively lines up on the right side of the formation. Um, oh, actually, I have to amend my notes. Yeah, because if, if, okay, so I put that in secondary. Yeah. 
which means he would see plenty of Tredavious White, which would definitely mean that um, Nuck would be okay. So I do like him. I think he, all right, so perfect. He's in play. I'm glad I put that last minute note there. The Cardinals ranked second in the NFL in man coverage snaps. Okay. And the Bills, um, you know, that's kind of what, uh, you know, what Josh Allen has been carving up, basically. So, um, the Bills, they also move Diggs around all over the formation whenever he escapes uh, Patrick's coverage. You know, they can shift him into the slot where Patrick doesn't go or pre-snap motion. So, this is why I say he can still have his as well. Um, so, you know what? He's in play, too. I think, uh, yeah, this is a sneaky under game. All these guys are in play. I'm sorry I keep reversing myself on this one. But the more and more we look at it, there's a lot to like here. So, again, Murray, Hopkins, Allen, Diggs, all in play. Zach Moss, I think, is going to he – gets, he gets some goal line looks and stuff like that. I think he's in play for sure. Um, not too sure about the running backs on the other side of the ball, though, standing firm right there. Uh, Cardinals secondary is banged up, so just more opportunity for this one to shoot out. Uh, and then Kirk has back-to-back games with eight targets, like I said, so – Let's load them all up. Uh, who wins this game? Because it's in the Cardinals. We'll say they'll win. But um, I think there's going to be a lot of fireworks in this one, actually. I would load up uh, Diggs. I would load up Hopkins. All these guys. Let it roll. Reload. All right. Chargers at the Dolphins. Uh, the Chargers kind of play to their opponents. Whether that be good, whether that be bad, that's just kind of what they seem to do. So... I think it'll be more of a defensive kind of a thing with the Dolphins. I don't think they're going to, Hubert's going to shoot it all out. And I don't think that Tua is going to be doing that either. The quality of Parker's targets has improved with 43% and 33% uh, coming out of play action. Parker's targets have been uh, of the first Reeve variety on 100% and 86% of targets. So, Two is looking for him, and especially more so now with Preston Williams gone. Um, you know, this all so Keenan Allen on the other side thing is in a smash by he's gonna see Nick Needham in the slot. The Dolphins are good at corner on the outside, but on the inside is where they can be had. So he's in a smash spot, but Mike Williams, these other guys, these you can lay off of these guys. Uh, Hunter Henry, he's in a decent spot, but I don't know how much he's going to be able to do with that um, in terms of the, on the ground, the Dolphins. Uh, I mean, who knows? I mean, in terms of who's going to be on the ground, Tremaine Pope, Kalen Balaj, all these guys, I'm not going to get too invested in the carousel, like I said, but they should all have some middling success against the Dolphins. Uh, Giseki, can't recommend it. Don't even know. Can't even recommend it. Um, because he's just not going to, it's not going to turn over. Um, but yeah, Allen, you know, he just continues to see an absurd target share in this offense. He gets like 30% of the looks. Uh, and he's got double digit target totals in six of the last seven games. So this is why he's in a smash spot versus the other guys. They're going up against Byron Jones and Xavier Howard. That's tough. That's tough on the outside. So the Chargers, I think, can win this game. And the key to it is going to be going to Allen. Uh, the, 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 the run plays that they do get, um, you know, all those backs should, you know, be having a decent opportunity to produce as far as the Dolphins go, you know, Parker's got a tough, uh, day ahead of him, I think, but he's going to get a lot of opportunity. So he should have a good chance to pay off for you. Um, but I don't see Miami winning this game though. I do see the Chargers going on the road, even though it's traveling West, not a big deal. They should be able to pull it out. Reload. 
All right, Saints at the 49ers, and uh, the 49ers are in a pitiful state right now, but we like Mullins for DFS purposes. We could use that, right? Like, we could definitely use this to our advantage. Um, we could we could also, uh, I'm sorry, because I have, like, two things of the Bengals and Steelers. I was looking at it, like, we just talked about that game, so I wondering why I had so many games left. So, all right, I'm sorry about that. Mullins. I like him for DFS purposes. He's so cheap. Uh, they're going to have to play keep up with the Saints because Drew Brees always carves these guys up, carved these guys up last year. And this version of the 49ers is not as good as the version was last year. So we really, really, I mean, really, I mean, really, really like Drew Brees this week. Kamara's got a tougher time against the run, but he can still be involved because of the pass. Brees, Thomas. I like it, but I really like Breeze, though. I love him this week. I can't stress that enough. So, on the other side of things, McKinnon's probably going to be the lead back, like we said. Who knows how they line stuff up, though. These guys are notoriously um, undependable in terms of, you know, being able to figure out who's going to get the run in terms of the 49ers. But, you know, obviously, also, you could play a tight end, uh, Jordan Reed, but I'm not going to do that. He's just been so hurt. I can't do that. Ayuk will be the guy to play. I don't. I don't think he's a bad play at all. They're gonna have to try to play keep up. I'm not gonna be. I know James Richie James just had the good game. I know these other guys are great names to hear, but in terms of my money, your money, betting on money, I'm just looking at Ayuk. If you gotta go with somebody there, uh, but most importantly, um, you know, it's the Saints side of things. Uh, the Saints defense, I think, is in a good place as well. So. You know, maybe something to look for there as well. But this is going to be a game that they win, and Drew Brees highlights it. Reload for our last shot here. So we're going to make a good. It's the Broncos at the Raiders. And we talked about the Broncos a bit last week coming on with Hamler and Patrick and Judy. And Judy looks great. These guys look good. Uh, their only limitations are Drew Locke, uh, and they're making him even look decent. Um, at running back, it's Gordon and Lindsey. Gordon or Lindsey can't catch, and so he's very limited in terms of what he can provide for us because he's just not going to be available that often. But um, Ten Patrick, since he's come back to the lineup, he's got three end zone targets and he's got one for a score. So they're looking to him there. Judy obviously can get it anywhere. So these guys have been very effective. Um, in the le- but the thing is, the Raiders. They're not very explosive. In the last two games, both victories, Carr has completed 28 passes, but uh, didn't even hit 200 yards either time. So they are resigned to chunk the ball and run it if they if they can um, and get what they can out of the passing game. Broncos defense, um, you, know, you know, should be fairly tough time uh, in terms of being able to pass on them. Uh, running as well, like they're middling for both for both opportunities in terms of running and passing, and so I think that the Raiders are just going to try to stay balanced, right? Stay balanced, maybe do play action a lot. So you got to run to do that, right? So I'm looking at Jacobs by usage. Just Jacobs on usage uh, has the opportunities, but it should be an interesting day. I mean, this is a game where the Broncos, uh, I think they match up well, but they don't. The, the play calling isn't there. They have good weapons, but I don't know. I don't trust it. Um, the Raiders, I think they could find a way to win this one. But in terms of the passing, like, you know, maybe Renfro gets a goal line score. I think Ruggs can't stay silent for long. I know it's a little bit of a tough matchup, but I wouldn't be surprised if he catches a long field pass 
They've got to get him going. Um, but really, it's all about Waller. He'll lead the way. He should. I don't understand why he wouldn't get most of the targets. So that's where they, it's going to lead from. It's him and Jacobs and then everything else behind that. You guys line up however you know Carr can get it to you. And as we said, he's not getting it to a lot of people. So a little bit of a slow game if you ask me. Uh, but uh, I do think that the Raiders will find a way to win that game. So that is our reload segment for this week, guys. That's kind of how I think the games are going to go. So now you now you know you can sort of put that into effect, whether that helps you in terms of seasonal, picking up guys off the wire last minute, or DFS, anything that you need to do outside of picks that I'm going to recommend in the next segment. Time for the DFS DraftKings main slate picks for this week. We'll give you cash game picks. We'll give you GPP picks. And we'll give you high and we'll give you low picks for quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, defense. Let's go. All right, let's get on to our DFS portion of the show so we can wrap it up for you. Now, before we do, though, let's talk about the number two most memorable fight on the on my top five memorable list for me number two you know everybody i guess apparently has that time where they uh, get into it with their sibling yeah sibling fight sibling rivalry that you can remember number two on my list is uh the time my brother and i got into it and this kid uh hit me with a lamp he blindsided me with a lamp uh, our uncle was visiting us and it was crazy he was like in the middle of us and he was like hitting him and hitting me and uh i was mostly just playing defense i wasn't like trying to to uh to fight him but it's obvious but it's most second most memorable for me because the blindside attack with a weapon i think the shock would be like it's my brother um yeah, he like used the lamp to smash up my TV and stuff too. It was horrible, man. And my, like I said, my uncle was all in the middle of that. So very, very crazy. Um, but that's number two on my top five fights list. And so we will move into our DFS segment and got the picks, got the picks for you guys right here. Um, so look for DFS, you know, for this week, I've got for quarterback. Three cash game quarterbacks for you and four GPP options for you. Okay. As far as the GPP goes, I'm, you know, I'm telling you who I'm playing basically because I told you guys I play four GPP lineups. So if I tell you I have four GPP quarterbacks, you know this is who I'm playing, right? In the cash game, I'll pick one of these guys. $8,900 Rush Wilson for GPPs. $8,800 Kyler Murray for cash. $8,700 Josh Allen for GPPs. $8,300. Uh, Deshaun Watson for GPPs, $7,600 Drew Brees for cash, $7,400 Jared Goff for cash. I was leaving Goff all week, but I'm actually thinking Brees right now. So just full candor right there. And at the bottom, sorry, at the bottom, $6,600 as promised, Nick Mullins for GPP. So very invested there. I think that's a pretty savvy play. Hopefully I'm not wrong. <laughs> um, now, running backs, I've got six cash game running backs and five GPPs for you. So, Aaron Jones, 
8,800 GPP. Nick Chubb, 8,200 for GPPs. $7,700. Miles Sanders for cash games. James Conner, $7,600 for cash games. $7,500. Kareem Hunt for cash games. $7,300. Robinson from the Jaguars for cash games. $6,100. Gibson, Antonio Gibson, GPPs. Uh, $5,800. Zach Moss, GPPs. $5,800. Um... Duke Johnson cash games. They didn't adjust the price or they didn't adjust it well enough. So we have to take advantage of that free square. Um, 5,500 for Malcolm Brown GPPs, 5,400 for Mike Davis cash games. So you've got some alleviation at the bottom to help you fit in some of the guys at the top, basically. Right. And so you've got a nice uh, opportunity there. Now let's talk about wide receivers. Um, Eight GPP choices for you. Six cash game choices. I got two honorable mentions. And 9,500, Devontae Adams, I told you, they can both eat. So he's going to be cash uh, and GPP in my book this week. And then Keenan Allen, $7,800 for cash game. Cooper Cup, $7,700 for uh, cash game. Lockett, $7,400 for GPPs. Woods, $7,200 for GPPs. McLaurin, $7,000 for GPPs. DJ Chark, $6,600 for cash. Brandon Cook, $6,300 for GPPs. Jarvis Landry, $6,000 for cash. Uh, John Brown, $5,600 cash. Sterling Shepard, $5,500 GPP. $5,100 Randall Cobb, GPP. $5,000 Josh Reynolds, GPP. Honorable mention is Ayuk and Tyler Boyd. All right, guys. Uh, tight end three cash game options four gpps darren waller seven thousand cash game tj hawkinson gpp 6600 it would have been cash game because it's a smash spot but the injury so you know we have to take that to account so he's a gpp play this week goddard 5800 gpps and then ingram gpp or cash at 5600 ebron 5400 cash i'm probably locking that in mercedes lewis pay attention Running doesn't play. Mercedes Lewis, $4,300 GPP. I like it. That's the play for me right there. And then for the defense, guys, um, you know, as far as what I'm looking at, uh, for cash, I've got one. And then for GPP, I've got three. Um, $4,600, the Eagles for cash games. Just lock it in. Don't think the Giants going to do too much damage. $4,200 for Tampa Bay for the Bucks for GPPs. And then the Lions. And Detroit, 39 to 3,800 respectively for GPPs as well. Um, other things I want to mention to you guys, I don't mind Tyler Boyd and uh, Burroughs in terms of being in a stack. Uh, and I've actually got some other players here that I didn't mention that I don't mind as well. Uh, Miles Sanders for GPP purposes. Oh, I think I did mention him for, ca for cash, actually. So he's got a big digs. Hopkins, DeAndre Hopkins. In the last section, we talked about these guys, so I'm adding them. Jerry Judy. These are guys that I feel have to be added uh, to what we were talking about. So you can add them uh, in terms of GPP plays to, to the list of guys that I gave you already. Um, but that's where I'm kind of going. Um, you know, I like Seattle in terms of stacks. Obviously, you can go chalk with the Rams. Um, but I do like Seattle as well. Um, you know, Buffalo is out there. Stretch John Brown a lot uh, in terms of stacks. If you want to go to Houston, you know, you could, as I said, Fuller, 
he is in play. I know I didn't mention him a lot, but I'm not going to be up for playing him. So, you know, Adams, uh, I do think is going to have a chance to smash. He could be wide receiver one again. Just He could just do that. So, Chark, I like that price. We got to lock him in a cash because he's not going to see Jair Alexander. So that's what I like this week, guys. That's what I have for you. And uh, hopefully that helps you bring in all the monies. Well, hell, my friends, let's put a bow on this thing and put it to bed. Um, It's been a great episode. We're fully ready for week 10. Top five most memorable fights for Ralph that I can think of. Number five, you know, was the on the way to school with Patrick Pratt. Prove myself in the hood. Uh, Number four, the boxing frat bro fright night. Uh, Number three, the cracked out thief at the department store. Number two, my brother in the lamp. I didn't see it coming. And then number one, the number one most memorable fight for me would have to be with my one of my uh, my freshman year, my college roommate, Nick Church. He was this surly kid from from New York, from Brooklyn uh, and Oh, man, he was looking for a fight always. And he had all these stories about how he grew up fighting and all this stuff. Here I am, fresh from private school. You know what I mean? There was definitely a contrast there. He obviously, you know, saw rage as a way to take out aggression. So, you know, things were boiling because I think at some point in the year, things got a little rough. You know, your kids, you don't have a lot of money or whatever. And he had blown through a lot of the cash he had and... Uh, I tried to help him out with some things, but I think he was resentful that I wouldn't give him, you know, more stuff or help him more. And he wanted to, like, you know, basically be able to, like, go out and entertain himself, which at the end of the day doesn't make him a bad guy. But the way he's going about it is terrible. But, I mean, it was all just boiling to a point. And we just, it, we, I knew it was coming. And I'll tell you all the honest truth. It's one of those things, too, where after all his stories and stuff, it's like, you know, I know what could probably happen when we fight, but you get so bugged by somebody, you're just like, we need to settle this, right? So everything was boiling to a head, and one night in our dorm room, we just went at it. And the funny thing is, I don't remember if the door got locked or if one of us locked it or whatever it was, but the RA and whoever else, they could all hear this and stuff, but they couldn't come in because we had the door locked and we were just going at it. And I know he got the best of him. He got a bunch of punches off of my face and stuff. I think I was bleeding. I might have even been bleeding. I want to say I was bleeding. But um, I didn't back down from him. I think I earned some respect for him. I mean, we fought for a very long time, and I wasn't going anywhere. And it was like, I am here for it. But that's got to be the most memorable fight for me because it was not a quick one. And it was like just premeditated in the sense that like I just knew it was coming, but also in the sense that like I'm not going to do anything to avoid this because I want this to and boy did we move the furniture that night so that has to be number one on my memorable list again we don't go fighting but if we're walking down memory lane there it is thank you guys for listening this week uh, these picks are going to make up for what we uh, missed last week those last honorable mention picks that I gave you I mean I literally just do a lineup of that stuff by myself and stick to the rest of the picks but that's the plan, guys. So we're going to bring home all of the monies, like I said. Uh, but we'll catch you in the same place next week. Peace.